Y'all know how we do it here at BFS. You thought we could only do Disney? Nuh-uh, we got something more for you. Which gonna get my glory? Y'all know Beast Grave well enough. Which gonna get my glory? Killing dudes almost in the bug. Gonna make myself a quarry. Hitting harder than Molag. Which gonna get my glory? Who y'all think you're flexing on? Like bra bra bra. Chris is sitting on a feature. Charge me if you think you can roll hot. Kamikaze if you think you gonna knock me off this spot. I, I, gonna make a kill absolutely still because you can't get past my dodge. To the end ain't that hard. I got the cards, cards, cards. Like ha ha ha. Inspire on a kill, don't act like you forgot. Which gonna get my glory? Which gonna get my glory? Gonna make myself a glory. Which gonna get my? Which gonna get my? Which gonna get my? Which gonna get my? Which gonna get my glory? Look down at your board, your whole war band is wasted. When I drop these curls, y'all wonder why you're playing. Counting tokens by the dozen, y'all know what I'm saying. We all at, we all at, I score annihilation. Chris is sitting on a feature charge me if you think you can roll hot. Kamikaze me if you think that you gon' knock me off this spot. Gonna make a kill absolutely still, cause you can't get past my dodge. To the end, ain't that hard? I got the cards, cards, cards. Like ha 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 Inspire on a kill, don't act like you forgot Which gonna get my glory? Which gonna get my glory? Gonna make myself a glory Which gonna get my 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 glory? Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of the Battle for Salvation Warhammer Underworlds podcast. I am Max Bernstein. I am Randall Slate. And with us today, guest of the show, Jimmy Molini. Good to have you, man. Thanks for coming. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me. All right. And before we get started, uh, as per usual, we're just going to check out the tournament schedule. Uh, you're doing the Vassal Clash on November 14th to 15th. 
Uh, so Shuby will actually be uh, running it this time. I did the last one, but yeah, that's um, that'll be the next big online event scheduled for a two-day tournament, November 14th, 15th. It most likely will be one of the last big events, if not the last big event of uh, season three. So uh, come join us, please. Cool. And, and you're, so these are, you're playing in it. I will be playing in this one. There yes. you go. All right. What you bring in? Can you tell us? No, you're not going to tell us. Uh, yeah, everyone. Uh, I'm I'm bringing gets, but gets yeah. it just gets everywhere. All right, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, we also have the the Calgary GC, the Calgary Grand Clash has been rescheduled actually for October 17th and 18th. Of course, Canada where they figured out the whole quarantine thing, so maybe it's a little bit better over there. Um, and that's of course friend of the show, uh, Derek Truckware. He's uh, taking care of that. So um, if you're going to be in Calgary or if you're allowed to travel to Canada because your country is cool like that i guess you should go um because it's an actual grand clash with actual grand clash payout and uh that's pretty cool and then there's also going to be the straight out of shade spire webcam tournament which is a skirmish format four rounds um i narrowly lost the last one because i forgot how glorious triumph worked um, you can watch the uh you can watch the playback if you want we linked it on our facebook page you can Watch me just spend an entire round thinking that I won the game when I didn't. Mm -hmm. That was great. Uh, but that's also on October 17th. Um, it's actually starting an hour later than, than the last one. So if you're in the United States, uh, you don't have to wake up at, at, uh, at 8 o'clock in the morning to get started. It's going to start at 9 o'clock, which is a little bit better. Um, if you're not in the United States, then it's probably at a normal time for you. All right. So that's the, that's the tournaments as far as we know. Uh, I also want to give a quick personal shout out to Brandon Hussman, who's uh, in the South Carolina uh, community down there. Uh, in, during the last Vassal, Cla Vassal Clash, I had asked anybody if they had a, 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 a witch elf uh, head because I wanted to do I, I wanted to take Camus's head off and put like her like a, a face on that. I don't like the mask. Um, and he volunteered it. Um, and uh, I appreciate that from him. So uh, I, I'm, I'm waiting for that to come in the mail. And, uh, and shout out to him. Uh, great guy. So for, from what I understand, and Jim, Jimmy, you've played with him before, of course. Great guy. And uh, his uh, two sons play as well. So shout out to them as well. All right. Very nice. Okay, cool. All right. So Jimmy, uh, first time you show up on, uh, on the show, uh, we have some biography questions for you just so that people can get to know you a little bit better. Of course, you, you have been on a lot of the other shows already. Uh, we finally got you here. Um, so I, I'm sure a lot of people already know a lot of your backstory, but just, just real quick, broad strokes. How, how'd you get into the game? So first of all, Max, um, my participation what? in this show is conditional on what? On the fact that you don't interrupt me more than twice. What? <laughs> you have, a, you have a incredible habit in all of your podcasts where I've listened to you, where you just no, I don't. continually interrupt all of your guests. Yeah, so we're screwed. If, you it, if you, if, if you do it more than twice and it's going to just log out and you'll be wondering why no one's speaking at the other end of the microphone here, you will right. never know what happened to me. Um, how many times have I interrupted you so far? You know, I'm going to keep count. And at the end, okay. Of so that's one right there. Uh huh. Boom. Okay. All right. So Strike one. one. <laughs> There's no strike three in this game. After the second one, I'm done. So. All right, I feel you. Nice. The nice All right. I'm saying this in defense of every wonderful guest you've had <laughs> thousands of times. So. I, 
we're going to form we're going to form a union um <laughs> oh okay now we're getting into it i you know i didn't yeah, realize there I'm, was so much animosity towards my speaking style my my public address style you're, you're me you just live in new york it's okay that's because you're so out of touch yeah uh, i guess so I, I i do live in new york that's like right it's trouble it's trouble all right anyway but but so so back to the subject at hand james malini um why'd you get only, into this game only my mother calls me that no, oh i'm, I'm sorry but, uh, no 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 i'm joking I can but, put on uh, a wig if you'd like yeah please don't but uh <laughs> um, so yeah uh, why'd i get into this game uh, i i've um like many people i started out playing uh these types of tabletop games and when i was younger in high school i uh, took a break in college and after college for a little bit and uh, moved to North Carolina and got into the local gaming scene here and uh, I've always enjoyed competitive games and have played a variety of games in the past and when Underworlds came out uh, it was a great fit it was a skirmish game which is what I was looking for um, not as many models to paint you know not uh, also not as much setup time and and breakdown time I think it's a great competitive game with a lot of features I really like and um, I've been uh, enjoying it for the past two years now yeah I feel like a lot of people who who we ask that question to, they say a lot of the same stuff you did. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. All right, cool. So, so, uh, which, uh, meta are you in? Which local scene are you in? I play in uh, North Carolina. All right. Uh, You're so with all the, the battle Malik guys, right? Yep. Those guys. And, um, I think I've, I've, there are a lot of other, um, folks in the meta as well. And we have a good community here. Um, we close to the South Carolina meta where, um, Brandon Taylor, um, and the rest of them play. So it's a great, uh, Great uh, meta to be in. All right, cool. Um, and uh, what's your favorite Underworlds faction to play? We know that right now it's probably Gits, but like, let's get let's get the all time favorite. All time favorite to play? I mean, it's probably got to be Reavers, but um, I really am enjoying the Gits. Um, I'll probably enjoy them more uh, once I've actually painted them, um, but. Uh... <laughs> You haven't painted them yet? No, I mean, there's no, there's no motivation or no live. Yeah, I guess going on right really now, staying it. And that's right. Yeah, that's really what I need to motivate me. But I think, uh, um, yeah, both Reavers and Kits, I have a lot of fun with. They're very different factions, had, di had different play styles, but um, are both a ton of fun. All right, cool. All right, and uh, so we always ask our guests to uh, flex just a little bit. How much glass do you have? Um, and you can give us uh, the the small glass count and then the big glass count. Yeah, um, I guess I have five of the uh, smaller glasses and one of the bigger glasses. All right, and 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 the big one that you got is actually I think very famous in the community because that was when you won them with Reavers when Reavers were not cool and they're still not cool, and yet you won them with Reavers. And so I remember. Can I just tell you? I remember um, I was I was out hiking with my, cause I, I can't go to what it was. It was Adapticon, right? Gen Con, Gen Con. Gen Con, Gen. Oh, that's the one in Indianapolis, right? Correct. Okay. So I remember, I was, I remember I was hiking in the summertime with my, with my uh, family and I was like, kind of like flipping through, you know, lurking on, you know, Best Coast Perry's cause they do that. And I'm just like, what, what just happened? <laughs> like I saw Reavers at the top and I'm like, that's got to be a mistake. <laughs> I'm like trying to tap it. I'm trying to refresh. I'm trying to refresh. It's like, holy crap, Reavers one. So uh, I, I will just uh, um, 
first of all, thank you. And second of all, I think Reavers were uh, unpopular in the meta in, in large part because there were many detractors in the community. Um, me? No one here, of course. No one here. No, ev no. Everybody is named Max Bernstein. That was a detractor. That is one hundred percent the case. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think that's a lot of fun. That's that's a part of the fun of having a big community. I think um, you know there have been plenty of times where I've thought certain things were good or bad, and folks in the community have you know proved me wrong. So I think that's just um, a function of having a great game with a lot of different options. And I think it's it's a very good, healthy aspect of the game that they're could be anyone that could come you know out of the woodwork as i did at that point you know not really being in the competitive scene until that event um where uh, you could come in be creative and and play well and win an event so i think with an off meta warband perhaps so uh yeah i think it's just really a feature of of the game and and the community we have yeah there's a lot of like dark horse candidates all the time i mean like the last vassal the last vassal clash in the cut was uh was uh eyes of the nine and grass racks the spoilers made it all the way to the finals didn't win but uh but made it to the finals uh what, what were they playing against i forget was it thorns yes so, thorns. yeah yeah thorns. philip um so philip vidmar played uh, uh eric in the semis that was a uh, the spoilers and eyes of the nine matchup which was a lot of fun and then yeah. philip won that and went and played tommy convoy uh in the finals and um yeah. and you got, got convoyed yeah he did, as as many people have in the past, including myself. So yeah, shout out, shout out to, to Tommy. Oh, Tommy. Oh man, Tommy and Benny. Those are the two guys I really just don't want to see. Like I just feel like every time I see them, I'm just going to get demolished. Um. Anyway, you're probably uh, right. I'm probably right. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, you, you know who I can be? Uh, actually, I forget who it is. I think it's Tommy. I think Tommy's the actually the one that I actually have beaten him twice, but it was only because both times he was playing something super off meta. Like he brought, I think, I think uh, I played him once in the league. He was playing Molog when it wasn't cool. And then uh, the second time he was playing in a Vassal Clash, he was playing uh, Condemners. And I'm and like, what, oh, well, that's what were you that's playing? You I was probably, I think I was playing Fundrix one time. And uh, and it might have been Grimwatch when Grimwatch was like Man. killer. Yeah, it was like, I, I, I got him because it was just like a, it was just the call he made. You were, you were that guy bringing a gun to a lucky. pillow fight. Yep, basically. <laughs> oh, they're competitive events. It's like they I, are, I, yeah. I just assumed he was going to bring something killer, and I just brought something killer. I actually will never, um, I will never judge anyone for any warband choice. I mean, it's it's that's one thing you can't control in this game. So pick your warband, and uh, um, yeah. and you should be able to beat uh, anything you face in this game. So it's up to you at that point. Yeah, unless it's irons, unless it's iron skulls, boys. In which case, forget it. Just just treble. Okay. I don't remember you said that. You know what? If that gets Iron Skulls, <laughs> if, that, if that gets season one orcs back in the meta, be that guy. Hey, be that guy. All right. So, um, so today we're talking Blade Coven, and uh, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> so good. I, I just, I. Okay, I personally love Blade Coven for a lot of of the correct reasons and also a lot of the wrong reasons, and we'll get to all of that in a minute. But Jimmy, uh, we we have you on. Tell us just in general, hot take overall, just like what what should we take away from it? Just looking at the Blade Coven, what do what do we think about this? Yeah, great question. I think uh, so. With Blade Coven, you look at the cards, uh, the fighter cards. Look at the faction cards. I think 
the first thing that most people will notice are things like wound totals, move, um, defense and attack characteristics. And I think a lot of folks may look at the Warband in a first impression compared them to some of the other similar fast aggro-ish glass cannony warbands like Reavers, like Godsworn Hunt. Uh, I do think there are some similarities to those warbands, but I think the nice thing that where Blade Coven can separate themselves is uh, something they have which is a bit unique in the meta, and that in their warband they have two fighters that have a range two attacks and one fighter that has a range four attack, which is pretty incredible. So uh, I think given the fact that if you are not just going to play aggro and if you're going to flex, um, you flex, you can flex typically into control or into either primary play style objective play. Uh, with objective play, the whole goal is to position yourself around the objectives, right? But if you are playing aggro and you have a range one attacks, your movement is much more limited. So it makes it very difficult for warbands with range one attacks to flex into objective play. However, if you have that additional range on your attack profiles, I think it does give you the ability to flex into more of that objective play while be aggro as well, which I think, first of all, is very cool and very fun. Uh, and two, creates uh, some of the versatility that this warband can have that perhaps Godsworn Hunt or Reavers are not quite as good at. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to agree with you. I, I think that these these guys are... Because I played a little Godsworn, but Godsworn always felt really, to, to me, really uh, annoying. Because they were they were very one trick pony. Like you just you did like bullet Godsworn, where you just went in, tried to kill it. If it worked, great. If it didn't, whatever. And then there wasn't a lot of easy scoring objectives with them. Um, I think that I think that these guys are even better than that. And you know, we were talking earlier about like I was saying, oh, this is like what I wanted Godsworn to be. And you corrected me and said, yeah, they're not, they are a little bit like Godsworn, but they have more of an ability to, to flex into things and, and the range really has a lot to do with it. And I, I, I take your point. So, um, so they're not like Godsworn, but they're like, they're, they're, they're a better designed warband with a lot of like Godsworn -y kind of elements. Well, I, I guess, I guess the way I would, I would characterize it is that, I think Godsworn are particularly good at that fast alpha strike style, or if you want to get someone in there really fast and nuke a four wound model, Godsworn probably does that better than most other warbands. I think uh, while Blade Coven could do that, uh, certainly could do that with Camus or uh, maybe more with, I think with the way they separate themselves a bit is instead of being maybe an alpha strike type warband, they can flex more to objective. So your preference really be based on how you would like to play. It sounds like you like to play with an aggro warband that does flex a bit into that objective positioning yeah. play, which um, in which case this would be the better warband for you. Yeah, personally. I, I also find the alpha strike thing to be really unreliable. Yeah, I, mean, I, I yeah. think it certainly can be. Uh, I think there, I think there are, um, we don't go down a rabbit hole here. I think there, there may be metas where the God's Warn Hunt style uh, could be very good. I think if there's a meta with a bunch of, you know, elite warbands, three model warbands, things like that, uh, God's Warn could see a resurgence. I don't think we're in that meta right now, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, they're just, there's warbands with different tools. Uh, they, they're they similar at a high level, but I think once you get double deeper into them, um, they have some key differences that define how they play. All right, well, let's talk about that actually. Um, so let's go through the uh, the fighters uh, cards right over here. So we're gonna start with uh, 
you know, with the, the, you know, the lady, the, the, the leader over here, Morgwaith, who's just, uh, and she reminds me actually a lot of Scritch in a way, you know, she got that two range, she's got the cleave, um, you know, uh, two, two smash, two damage, uh, before she inspires, uh, a, a four, two, four bottom slash line. When she inspires, she gets, she gets extra damage and extra, uh, movement and she has cleave to start. So, um, so she's kind of like a little bit like, well, who is it? Who's the reaver? That's kind of like that. That's, that's blooded sake. Who's kind uh, of like that? She actually gets cleave when he inspires, but, um, doesn't have it, uh, right, okay. but Magor actually has cleave to start as you would know. Oh, right? yeah. So, uh, maybe that's why I like it. This is like, uh, that's right. Yeah. A little call back. Yeah. Little call back to, to my Magora days, yeah. And she's a lot faster. And she but she's on two dodge, which is good. Now the and other thing she's a lot better looking too. Oh please. Like I don't even not, this is not time to get started on that yet. Hold up. Just hold up on that. Um the other thing that we have to uh, remember about her is that she kind of has a little bit of a thundric thing going on where if you can kill somebody, if she's on the board, you can inspire somebody. So it's important to keep her alive. And she's also, I mean, she's clearly the best fighter, I think, in here. She's not as accurate as the other ones, um, especially against Dodge Warbands. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, she's something else. She's uh, a great fighter. Yeah, and I think I think she uh, she's very well rounded. I think having cleave to start is something that's a little bit a little bit sneaky and it's sneaky good and in that they get could enable you to even play a card like what armor uh, have that in your deck. And yeah. I think with uh, all the guard that's prevalent now in the game, Cleave's very useful. So I think it's, um, you know, buried instinct cards like that. Uh, so I think, you know, more with, you know, she's just a great fighter. Uh, again, that's a great point you make. I think uh, everyone who plays Warband is probably very well aware that while leaders are all important, she's probably particularly important this Warband because their inspired condition outside of her ability kind of sucks. It's like, you know, they all inspire in the third round. So um, in order to inspire earlier, you kind of have to have her on the board or have one gambit, one faction gambit in hand. So, you know, you want to keep her alive. And I think a lot of decks, you know, try to do that. Other decks and, and builds try to make sure she stays alive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's important. Uh, that's an important point you made about the fact that she starts with cleave. Um, normally you would think like, oh, if, if, if she starts with Cleave, that's just going to be irrelevant against a lot of Warbands, but you're you're right in the fact that a lot of people use uh, abilities that either make them be on guard or they get a guard token. That's very popular now with a lot of Warbands, especially with the rules change where you can't be pushed back. Absolutely. So yeah, the Cleave agree. is still relevant even though you're going up against an uh, all-dodge Warband. Absolutely. Agreed. All right. So uh, let's move on to Snake Lady Supreme, Kyrie, who is the only hunter in this uh, in this thing. I, I don't think there's any reason to lean into the hunter stuff for this warband because she's the only one. It's only three wound model. I, I don't think you do that at all. And she does such little damage. And I think a lot of the hunter buffs are accuracy buffs. And when right. she inspires, she does not need accuracy. <laughs> yeah, she needs damage. Yeah. All right. Well, so she she's got a lot going on, though. Uh, so first of all, her uh, her bottom half of her body is a snake, and that's super cool. Um, I have questions. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, she uh, she is Katniss Everdeen over here. She is Merida. She shoots four range, four range to start. Three fury, only one damage, of course. But she has ensnare to start. 
which is really great. She also has a sacrificial knife, which is kind of a trash little like uh, two fury, one range, one damage thing. And she has a five, two, three bottom stat line, a slash line, um, which is which is versatile, but not like terrifying. Uh, when she inspires, however, her bottom slash line stays the same, but her two attacks get better. Uh, more accurate and um, her uh, her bow uh, picks up switches to uh, hammers still one damage but gets cleave and ensnare so you got to crit out of everything um, and then the sacrificial knife gets a little bit better we get an extra die and we get an extra damage so uh, there's a lot going on there yeah no Kyrie's great I think you know first of all as far as um, you know, her base stats go I think the Move five allows you to score gathered momentum just off the bat mm. cards. cards. So that's nice. Yeah. I think, um, but more importantly, the range four on the bow. I mean, I think we're used to seeing a lot of range two and range three fighters, and everyone's kind of aware of the benefits of those types of attacks. But range four is massive. Uh, that is such a huge difference. You can really hit. I mean, so cover an entire board with that. You can cover most of the board. So. I actually looked at um, some board alignments and placed Kyrie um, in no man's land on each primary board alignment that that we'll see. So, for example, first I start out um, in a kind of wide board setup where the wide edges are, are are aligned together. And if you place her in the middle of no man's land on that board, she ha- has access to seventy one percent of the play area. Damn. So 59 out of the 83 hexes, she can hit you, uh, barring, of course, block hexes and things like that. So it, it's pretty much everything except for the, the two back lines. She can hit right. everything. That's crazy. Yeah. And so so I think you know, in that type of setup, having her in the middle of the board is pretty incredible and gives you an ability to impact fighters kind of all over the board. I think if you deploy, uh, if you're in a long board setup, so long boarded and you have her in one of the uh, two uh, no man's land hexes. There are only two in a long board setup, but mm-hmm. if you have her in that setup, she covers 50% of the board still, even in a long board a setup. Lot. Yeah. A lot. And then um, in a diagonal setup, she's in the middle of no man's land, 54% of the board. So is, four- is that in a fully offset one? That's fully Sorry, offset. Sorry, that was, that, was, that was my second interruption. I just want to make sure that that's clear. Do I get a pass? Because All right, see you question. later, Jimmy. <laughs> do i get a pass because that was actually a good question you're, you're you're talking about a fully offset board did he leave he's gone i'm like he hold on let me text him <laughs> hold on, i gotta i gotta apologize oh he's oh, back okay. i'm back, back? I'm back. Oh, okay I'm, I'm, I'm messing with you but uh <laughs> <laughs> i had to do it but uh no yes that is uh that is fully offset uh so i don't i don't have stats for um, you know, other board setups that are diagonal, not fully offset. But I mean, bottom line, I mean, man, that range four is in, is incredible. So especially, it's especially a nightmare for objective warbands because she's going to be able to hit almost all the objectives that she can see if she's positioned somewhere in the middle of the board. So um, that I think you put something, you inspire her, you put something like Fighter's Ferocity on her, she gets really scary to objective warbands. Hey, we didn't ask you to do so much homework there, Jimmy, but we appreciate it. All right. Well, I, so like, I like Kyrie... the point you made there. the The point is the point is that she starts off with ensnare and has four range. So if you're able to set up the board, 
then you can really put the screws on, you know, objective warbands because yeah. what Jimmy's saying is you move her maybe like one space forward off of a, the deployment and then you can hit almost every objective on the board. Correct. Or, or if you, um, you're playing an objective warband, again, because they're incredibly popular right now, um, and if you put a place a lethal hex behind an objective, right? I mean, she's killing the model off the bat pretty much, unless they're thorns, because thorns are busted. But. Right, which is yep. kind of like, Suck yeah, it. I, I played these guys against thorns, and it's like, if I'm going to lose, it's because it's thorns. Uh, and, and not because I don't score a lot against thorns, but just because thorns score ridiculous amounts of yeah. glory. Not because you're not good. You it's the warband. No, 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 no. I'm very good with Blade yeah, Coven. Yeah. I, I, I love these ladies, <laughs> but... Uh, is my yeah, opponent's thorn, fault. Thorn's gonna thorn. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's let's move on to Camus. Uh, Camus is uh, is interesting. She's only uh, let's see. Her bottom slash line is four one two to start. She inspires, however, to five two two. So a little little harder to hit, a little faster. Um, but uh, but this is our first model, uh, you know, fighter that has combo built in, really which is kind of cool. So here we go. Um, and, and now with these Arena Mortis cards, which we'll talk about next uh, in our next episode, we might have a little bit more play here. Um, but 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 Camus natively has a two, a two range whip, uh, three fury, two damage, which is pretty good, actually. Um, you know, and then and then combo, the she cannot be driven back. So um, so she's a she's a Zarkus. Mm -hmm. Or she no, she's a Gartok. She's a Gartok, right? Gar Gartok, yes. Yeah, because she can't be driven back. Period. Not just like on a successful hit. Although mm -hmm. if you successfully hit her, she's gonna die. So basically, yeah, not as useful as it is on Gartok because yeah, she she will yeah. she will die to a stiff breeze. Right. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Um, but uh, and then and then she has the uh, the combo, the bladed buckler, which is a reaction after this fighter's attack action with combo make this attack action so you can actually get to that bladed buckler which is a one range one smash one damage which doesn't sound like much but when you inspire her uh the two attacks get a little stronger uh oh no sorry the first attack looks the same the bladed buckler however goes to two fury and two damage so uh that's interesting yeah and, and combo she, and she gets a dodge and an extra move as well when she inspires so um, Camus will probably be one of the first fighters you try to inspire because her bladed buckler does improve uh, significantly the extra attack dice and also most importantly the extra damage. Mm. So I think uh, you know for her she's she's a very interesting fighter. I think first of all the range two is nice. It's not um, you may not be using it quite as much because you are going to want to be getting to the range one um, range of the buckler. Mm. Uh, so typically you, you'll be wanting to attack adjacent, although the range two can be um, situationally uh, uh, helpful in, you know, in other scenarios. But I think, again, you're going to want to inspire her earlier because her stats really improve. Uh, she probably, um, I mean, she, her stats probably improve. Um, her utility improves more than most of the other fighters, I think, when she inspires because the two, yeah. the two defense dice is also really nice in addition to the move and the um, attack profile, the bladed buckler. But there are probably two ways of looking at her. Um, she has the potential to one-shot for one fighter, uh, and that's something that is unique in this warband without upgrades. If I may, with a card, she actually has the potential to one-shot Hrothgorn if she's really lucky. 
she she could if she's really lucky you're right we'll get we'll get, we'll get to that later yeah, absolutely yep no that, that is true um, but i think for me um and uh, again uh, real quick just uh I, I forgot to mention this earlier a lot of my knowledge of this warband is um based on some of what i have played but also because i've played against some great players that have uh taken this warband right out of release and done a lot of great things with them. First and foremost, Tommy Conboy. Uh, so learned a lot from him and also Tom Bond. So shout out to them for kind of experimenting with this warband um, early. Um, but I think um, that in relation to, to Camus, I think there are kind of two things you can do with her. You can try to one shot a forward fighter. I think that's a little greedy. I think probably the best way to utilize her given the prevalence of uh, of warbands like uh, um, uh, Horde warbands is to really ensure you kill a two wound fighter in a horde war band because you have two attacks essentially on her profile so you're probably going to hit one of them and i think that's having that assurance is really nice yes all right and then we have uh and then after camus we have the two uh dangle bro but but super super beautiful twins if i may uh we have Krissa, who is my new bae jigathra i'm sorry i'm breaking up with you what i'm breaking up with jigathra uh, but, Chris, uh, Chris is my new girl. But she doesn't even have a spear. That's, I don't care. Okay. She got she got she got everything else where it counts. Got pointy ears. I'm actually really upset by this. Max, Max is bringing the spear. You know who's really just upset Ooh. by this is Jagathra. Yeah. She's really mad. Um. Anyway, Krissa though, n- not she's an okay fighter. I just I just really like I like the pose. She just like. She's just like owning it. Love it. Oh, I love just 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 the confidence. Seriously. Um, so uh so Krissa has a uh let's see, when she's uninspired, she has a four one two attack slash line. Uh, sorry, uh defense slash line at the bottom. Um Camus, Krissa, and Lethier basically all have the same thing going on at the bottom, right? Yeah, they do. Even when they're inspired, they have the same slash lines uh, at, at the bottom. Um, she has the sacrificial knife, which is range one, three fury, one damage, but you get a plus one on a crit. And when she's inspired, her attack is exactly the same, and her other stuff is exactly the same. She just gets a speed and a defense boost. So nothing much going on there. Um, well, she has to. The, then... Yeah. Yeah. No. Go ahead. Well, she has. They each have a special ability, is what I was. Right. They each have a special ability. Lethier, however, does not have it until she is inspired. But her inspire one is really interesting. I don't know, like the utility of this, but uh, she also has sacrificial knives. um, But hers are a little different. Uh, She has the exact same attack profile, exact same bottom slash line. Her. her her sacrificial knives, however, do a little bit different thing. They if the attack roll includes two or more successes, uh, so that would be uh, two or more of crits or furies, uh, and the attack action succeeds, so your your opponent has to not crit out of it. Um, you resolve the deal damage step twice. Sounds is, cool. Probably isn't very cool. cool. It probably just doesn't happen enough. Right. Well, we were saying that. You know, Roland, when you have three dice on swords, it's tough to get two successes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, since she's a, you know, two wound, one or two dodge fighter, you don't want to be giving her the heavy hitting upgrades. That would make this special ability, like, really good. Where you deal yeah. damage twice and you deal, like, six damage or something like that. 
I, I think she's a more, hey, Lether, can you stand there, please? Kind of a, right, kind right. Of a fighter. Yeah. She's Jimmy? one of the crucial pieces to the ability to flex with this warband, being able to get to the objectives with the four movement, and if they die, then it's fine. Yeah, kind of, kind of both of them are. Yeah. Jimmy, how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I think they will often be sitting on objectives. I do think the leather ability is something that I certainly wouldn't build around, although it would be tempting. I think it's more so something that could be useful late game as kind of a Hail Mary. I think she kind of has some some of that she could have potentially game-saving role late game because of that ability. Um, if you stack you know, some of your accuracy cards and uh, stack some of your upgrades on her, I think there there could be fun things that could happen. But but yeah, in general, yeah, not something reliable enough to build to. Right. I think, again, the two successes is that without the assistance of Gambit, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of successes, and I think it's uh, something that wouldn't happen more than you know, 15, 20% of the time, usually. All right. Pretty cool. Ready for the next section? Yeah, I'm. I'm really proud of you. You have. You've held yourself back. You've I, been really. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm about to not. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I'm gearing I'm gonna, up I'm gonna, for this. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Well, okay. All right. All right go ahead. <laughs> this is like. This is like in you know like Avatar where like you're waiting for a while till you get to you know the 3D part. And so that's like the entire like beginning of this of this episode has just been us waiting for the 3D part to like kick in, you know. Okay. All right, so here we go. So Written. now you know we, we we've gotten some good information here, but now we're just gonna go for exactly one minute of Max and Jimmy making off-color jokes about how hot the Blade Coven models are, just to get it out of our system so we can continue with the episode in in an adult responsible mature way so go uh, ahead yeah, max and jimmy take need it to away get this out. we just need to get this out okay jimmy are you ready we're gonna trade off so we're gonna trade off i'll on, go first yeah we're gonna trade off on on jokes on on the models because they're scantily clad females that okay got it and we haven't like we haven't seen this yet like again jagathra was was my one but like what am i supposed to do it's like it's like an entire group of Jagathas. Okay, so here's um. Okay, I'm, I'll, I'll start. I'll start. Um, I really like Blade Coven, but uh, every time I uh, I paint them, I feel like they're going to report me to GW's Human Resources Department. Um, <laughs> that's pretty good. I, I, I do I, I do wonder what GW. I mean, you know. Human resources in the forty-first millennium. Like, what, what would that look like? But uh, <laughs> just a lot of tubes and like extraction. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, so, Blake, Kevin. Um, Chris, go ahead. This is a. You could probably buy this warband in the same aisle as a fleshlight. Oh no. <laughs> That's good. I like that. I like that. We should have. We should have done a warning before this. We did kind of. Um, I you were, really you were like, warned. You were warned. I, yeah, a little bit. I, I really like um, the uh, the packaging. I thought it was great because um, when I opened up the um, the the expansion, you know, I saw the cards, I saw the sprues, and I also saw the registration form so that you can be a sex offender. <laughs> we're, we're, we're dirty individuals. We really are. Yeah, um, yeah. You got to get set. Good. <laughs> All right. Um, 
so we definitely have to put out a warning to um, to all neckbeards out there that for this warband, your pants are not an appropriate carrying case. No, definitely not. And you're um, probably going to need looser fitting pants. Yes. <laughs> uh, elephant or rather snake in the room. Uh, this means that Chris's dad like got with a snake, right? Like that's what happened. Like, I'm or, just trying to think about this logically. Like, like where, or, or, where do or, you... her, or her mom got with a snake. Yeah, it could be either way. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that it was it was dad. I'm just I'm just saying it's like like what do you do there? Like where do you look? Like like I, I mean like do you want like, the actual explanation of why they look like that or do you want to just I'm, imagine I'm just saying it's like I've I I I find it really hard to like get excited about a cloaca and all of you <laughs> that's that, right. that is a that is a that is a science anatomy joke that like five people will get. All right, nice. keep going. You're, J- Jimmy, you're up. Oh, what? Cloaca, Cloaca. It's what snakes have instead of yeah. They they have like one hole for everything. They have one hole for peeing, pooping, and uh, and and Recreation. making babies. Right. So you have to like find it. It's like covered by a skit. Forget it. <laughs> I, I, Jimmy, I don't, I don't know if I can forget it anymore. That was better in practice. God. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So, um, I, okay. there, <laughs> all right, there's a, uh, the tough thing about Blade Coven is that GW hasn't produced a painting tutorial for underboob. <laughs> it's a missed opportunity. Yikes. Who should they get to do that? Which, wow. which guy should they get to do the underboob tutorial? Uh, no idea. Peach. <laughs> um, so I was just like thinking about this um odds are there's at least one guy in the in the underworld's community who's kind of like a buffalo bill character who's sitting there painting them and he goes it it puts the kislev flesh on its skin god <laughs> or it gets the hose again we need a, <laughs> we need a laugh track for this that's <laughs> nah, okay i'll do it at home Oh man! All right. right. Um, are we, are we good? Done? Yeah, I think, yeah, we're, I think we're good. I think we're I think good. We're done. All so, right, that's it. We right. did it. So we can get back to. Okay. Actually... Woo! I feel so much better about that. Uh, oh, oh, you know, no, I actually had another one. Uh, I, I love that Morgwith comes with her own pole. Yep. Okay, we're done <laughs> really now. Good. Great. It's a great <laughs> okay, moving on. Just so appropriate. Okay. <laughs> All right. Faction specific objectives. That was like the worst segue <laughs> we could have possibly done. <laughs> All right, faction specific objectives. Um, Jimmy, uh, we we have a couple of these that we like. Um, so uh, let, let's start at the beginning. Uh, we like perfect kill, and uh, that is basically uh, just um, precise use of force, but it's faction specific. Correct. Uh, what, what do you think about that one? Yeah, I think it's good. I think um, especially given the fighter cards and the war bands, you have a fighter that has a two damage attack that inspires for three damage. You have a fighter with a one damage attack, another fighter with a two damage attack. So I think the um, uh, you have a lot of different options to make sure you get uh, you know get perfect kill. Like you know, for example, one of the issues with um, let's say a war band like uh, I don't know. A, Thunder's Profiteers is that they're a little bit limited on on damage options. Sometimes a lot of their profiles are very similar, so um, having a lot of different profiles is nice. And I think 
precise use of force was restricted in Night Vault, and uh, having it as a faction card is great. Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember using that one a lot with the uh, with the Curse Breakers because they had ones, twos, and threes, and uh, these ladies also have ones, twos, and threes. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty good. I, I think it works really well with them. Um, you like uh, Swift Sacrifice. Correct. I think uh, it is a bit limiting because it has to be a range one or a range two attack action. Uh, and Kyrae's range one attack action is not very good. Um, it's basically just a, um, a surge that asks you to kill a model with work with. Uh, but I think you're going to be doing that a lot, and I think that's a, it's a very good card as a result. So Morgoth is, is probably going to be pretty key um, if you're going to be aggressive in this warband. Uh, so in, if she's going to be killing models and having a surge for rewarding her for killing models, it's going to be a good fit. Yeah. I mean, I, I was using it a lot at the beginning. I, I ended up eventually taking it out for Branching Fate just because I, I felt like it had more utility. If you catch it at the end when Morgwaith is like already dead, um, you know, it, it, you can still score it with one of the other ones. But I, I see that as, I, I still see Perfect Kill as being a good one. For me, it was like kind of like a, it was like a sixth or seventh, you know, surge for me. It was like right in there. Yeah, no, I think it's, it really just, um, it depends on what you're doing with the Warband, right? I mean, I yeah. think in, the way I play them, I try to be a little more active with more with and also protect her too. So I have some upgrades to help protect her. Uh, I think with with branching fate in this warband, I think Kyrie obviously is a great choice because uh, she's rolling three dice on um, on her bow attack. But I don't know if I want to be forced to use Kyrie's bow attack, which is only one damage, just to score branching fate. Uh, so yeah. I think um, I'd rather be attacking with Morgwith and, and killing models. But uh, yeah, I but, but I think Branching Fate's a good option as well, and you can certainly uh, be successful with that too with the Swordman. Yeah, I think I, I was playing a little bit more uh, a little bit more flexy, a little bit more stand on objectivity. So so I was using that just for lack of something to do a lot. Um, and I also had the one. What's the one where uh, the new one, Strength of Terror? I think is the one where you get like an extra one, putting that on Morgwith. So she went up to three. Yeah. Um, and, and at that point, everybody throws three dice. Um, I was also using Amberbone Sword, which is three. Uh, so for me, I just saw that. I just saw that happening a lot, and I, I decided to to switch yeah. it over. But I, no, I, I think I think they're both good choices. Yeah, it, it, it's a good option. And uh, I think uh, it, the tough thing about Branching Fate, I've used it in many decks. Is that when it doesn't go off, it can end up breaking your deck. And yeah. You, um, so I, I think it does make sense for a lot of warmates. It certainly can make sense for them too. Sure. All right. Cool. Um, a couple of other ones that we liked. Uh, you like Devoted Disciple. Correct. So that's the one where you score this in end phase if one or more surviving friendly fighters have taken one or more wound tokens. Correct. Uh, right. So. Uh, I think first of all, it synergizes pretty well with one of their gambits, Fanatical Faith which uh, reduces damage dealt to one. I think that's a really good card. I think um, typically uh, folks will be trying to attack Morgwith. Um, I think uh, she will. She may have wound tokens on her. I find that's yeah. pretty common. Um, and worst case scenario, I think you can run a model like Lether or Carissa through a lethal and have them stand on an objective and it's almost like an end phase calculated risk. Sure, yeah. And, and uh, you know, we're always looking for good end phase cards. Uh, so that's a good one. And then um, I was using Ritualized Formation, which is just supremacy. It's just, uh, I, I just, I think the picture is amazing. The art was uh, too uh, good for so you good not to use. How to use it. They just, again, they just really look like 
it just looks like a picture of like destiny's child basically it does um yeah it does and um so i was using that but that's again i was i was flexing very hard with my deck so i i had it in there but um i you know the the only time when i really had a problem with it is again when i was like playing against other you know other war bands that were trying to stand in objectives um and it was just like a little bit a little bit tougher because they have a little bit more tech than i do um for that um but i was also playing with glorious triumph and uh, when I remember what Glorious Triumph said, sometimes I would squirt. Now, what do you what do you guys think, Jimmy? What do you think about you? Do you think that the Glorious Triumph card is not that great in this warband because of the the fact that they have so much range? It... Yeah, great question. So uh, I think just as a frame of reference, you score or sorry, you react with Glorious Triumph uh, when you're adjacent to the fighter you kill. Uh, I think that can certainly happen in this warband. I think if you're, but I think sometimes it could be counter to the way you want to play them. If I have a fighter with a range two, let's say like Morgwith, um, I'm going to try to take advantage of that range two, meaning if I charge a model, I want to be a hex away so that they would have to charge me as opposed to charging them, potentially failing the attack action and having them be adjacent so they could attack me right back. Um, it also is, makes, it makes for greater flexibility in regards to where she can land with her charge or with as far as landing on an objective, things like that. Um, so given that's how I'd like to utilize a range two model, um, having to, and also with the understanding that's probably going to be more with, it's going to be, you're going to use for this reaction because she's a tank. It's one of the most likely to survive the round. Um, I do think that that, uh, the wording on glorious trap is a little bit limiting. Uh, so I think it, it's just something that doesn't naturally fit into the way I would like to play them. But I can certainly understand folks that would uh, would like to play them that way. Uh, lastly, I just want to make a point just for all listeners that I have in the last uh, Vassal event that I was TOing, I did see a large number of players that were scoring Glorious Triumph with the, with, uh, the Briar Queen uh, with a range two attack when she wasn't adjacent to a model. So public service announcement, you cannot score Glorious Triumph that way. She has to be adjacent to that model. Yeah, where were you like two weeks ago? Seriously, because I potatoed that entire game because I forgot. I, I actually had enough stuff to like win the game if I played very aggressively, but I didn't want to because I didn't want to like rely on dice. So I'm like, oh, well, I could do this way and stand on two things and I'm good. And then just like, nope, nope, just forgot. Great. Yeah, no, it, it happens. I mean, I, I think that's where, um, I think there's a learning curve with new cards, right? I think, yeah. um, yeah, so no shame there. I've misinterpreted cards too in the past. Um, that's why people should listen to podcasts, right? Exactly. Definitely listen. Basically, I, I ascribe to like the, the inspector gadget uh, version of like learning stuff, like watch me do it stupidly and then don't do that. That's right. For that's all right. of you eighties kids out there. That's right. <laughs> that was an inspector you, gadget thing. That was an Inspector Gadget thing. Like at the end, like Penny and uh, and Inspector Gadget, like Inspector Gadget would do something stupid, like stick a knife in a toaster. That really happened. And then he like, and then he like, you know, like right. And then and then he and then he's like, don't do what I did. Like do the opposite. It's like that's not how kids work. Kids work like if you if they see a cartoon character sticking a knife in the toaster, even if he says don't stick a knife in the toaster, they're gonna stick a knife in the toaster because that's what they saw. And I'm just like, why are you doing like when I you know when i'm eight it's like funny but like when i'm an adult i'm like that was stupid all right this is not what we're talking about okay 
So, uh, but otherwise, the faction specifics, anything else we like? Sorry, Jimmy, is there, is there an Inspector Gadget related remark you want to make? You seem like you want to. Not at all. Not okay. at all. It went right over my head. It's okay. Okay. Well, I, 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 say, I, was, I, I was an 80s child. I just didn't watch Inspector Gadget, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I was like, I'm an early 80s child. I think pe people think that because I'm so immature on the microphone, they think I'm really young and I'm not. <laughs> so I remember all that stuff. Uh, I've actually had that issue where, where people are like, you're how old? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> They're like, no. I'm like, no, I am. All right. Uh, so there's there's no more faction-specific objectives we like, right? That's it. I think um, with, with this warband, just at a very high level, I think they have a couple of good faction objectives. I think they have a few more that you may take, let's say, in the beginning of the season when old universes rotate out. Mm. I think they have a right. lot of good faction gambits. Um, they they probably have three or four that you take in every deck. No matter what, yeah. Let's let's talk about those auto includes. Actually, yeah. let's do that right now. Yeah, and, um, then, and with no, the right, lastly, and with the uh, with the upgrades, there probably aren't many upgrades that they take that are very good. Unless again, it's like the beginning of a season, all universes rotated out, and there are a few options. So right. Yeah. Okay. So for now, before everything, before diergasm happens still can't believe they called it that here we are okay um so when that happens look look at the cards again but but for now uh we'll just talk about the ones that that we that we like uh uh catechism of murder i think is just you 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 have to use it yeah it's really nice into um the Elite warbands. So, Catechism of Murder, choose one friendly fighter that fighters inspired. As we've mentioned before, their inspired condition, their universal inspired condition, where they all inspire is a bit garbage. It's the start of the third round. Um, so, I think into Horde warbands, which are popular now, there could be situations where you inspire most of your fighters before the third round, anyways, which is great. Um, but in the if you draw this in the first round, it's incredibly useful. And if you play an elite warband, it's also very useful because their ability to kill an elite model um, could be a bit limited in the first round. So I think it's just a, a great card to hedge if you face an elite warband uh, and also just a great buff if you end up drawing it in turn one. Right. And don't for yeah, it's not as useful, but at the end of the game, but this is kind of like, what was it in uh, Furious Inspiration, which is the one that we had with uh, the Magors. It's very similar. The only thing about this one is that you have to have Morgwraith on the table to use it. Correct. So really Correct. great in your opening hand. I think clutch in the opening hand. It's like so good to have. Correct. Um, but it, of course, it, it's useless if you draw it in the third end phase. So if it's bottom deck, it's pretty useless. Correct. Um, so I, you still put it in. Um, fanatical Faith. Fanatical Faith is the one where, hold on, I should probably have this story. Fanatical Faith. The first time a friendly fighter would be dealt any amount of damage in the next activation, that fighter is dealt one damage instead. Holy crap, that is a get-out-of-death-free card, isn't it? Yeah, really, really part. nice. Yeah, I think there, there are other cards like this in other factions, like um, Demonic Resilience and what and was it? Duarte and something for profiteers. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, but there are other factions that have this type of card, and it's one of their best faction cards, and it is one of the best faction cards here too. Uh, even with a warband, it's a little, it's not quite as tanky. I think um, 
this card helps them be tanky in a lot of ways. And I think the best way to play these types of cards too is to almost um, bait out one or two ploys, like an accuracy ploy, or wait till they play a damage upgrade the opponent does, and uh, and you play this card, and their plans are just really, you know, yeah. potatoed. We say potatoed, completely potatoed uh, in the next activation. Yep. Yeah. Oh no, no, absolutely. I, I have definitely, I have definitely like you, you, the the thing about this is that if you play it, sometimes your opponent who's like gearing up for something, they they toss cards. You throw this, and they're like, oh well, there's all those cards that I put in my deck carefully that are now not useful. And then on top of that, it really can, in some cases, just take away one of their activations where they have to like, you know, you only get twelve. And now you really kind of only have 11 because it's like, well, I can't attack this one, even though I was about to. So I'll draw a card or I'll move this guy over here. And it's just not what they wanted to do. So I, it's just very powerful. Great. Yep. Great point. Agreed. Um, Headlong Fury. Wow. This one. Yeah. Um, probably. The well, best let, let me read it just so that people know at home. Uh, choose one inspired friendly fighter. So they have to be inspired. Okay. Can't use it right away. The chosen fighter makes a move action. You don't give that fighter a move token for that action. You just get to move. It's like pushing the thing four or five hexes. It's like super sidestep. That's yeah. nuts. Yeah, it's a great card. There are a ton of really amazing combos you can make with this card. And I think, um, you know, you and I discussed in the past that this, com you know, comboed with Jealous Defense and a Power Stab. Yeah. Or, oh my God. I think this could be used as a, as a way to charge a fighter in, um, which exposes them to the opponent and then move them back into your deployment zone so they can't uh, uh, be attacked back. I mean, there's, there's so many ways to use this card. The fact that they have to be inspired is something that's very important that everyone has to remember. Um, but as long as you make sure that they are inspired and that's where stuff like Catechism of Murder is nice, um, yep. this, this card is incredible. Yeah, I mean, you can score absolute stillness with this. Um, yep, Jealous Defense, as you said before, I mean, it's really great at the very end if you put like Cryptic Companion on something that's really far away, just get them on something. And don't forget, these ladies all have ridiculous range. Yep. Um, and and, and Kyrie especially, uh, you know, Wow, it's just it's a lot. I don't know. Do how, what do you smell off of this? You think they're going to restrict any of these cards? They're they're all very powerful, but I don't feel like they make the warband op. Yeah, you know? I, I think the, in my opinion, uh, and again, this is just um just my opinion. I think that uh, the like GW and the uh, uh, the developers and the group that manages the far list. I don't think they look at singularly powerful cards. They look at cards in combination with warbands. And I think, mm -hmm. at least at this point, I don't see this warband being being incredibly OP. They can be good. They can certainly be yeah. good. Oh, I think they're very good. I don't think yeah. they're Yeah, I think they're good. And I think they're definitely playable. But I don't think they're OP. If they ever did get to a point where they're OP, then yeah, I could see them... Yeah. Um, restricting one of these cards. Yeah, this is where you go, I think. Um, the last one we want to talk about is uh, Zealot's Rage. And Zealot's Rage is, um, it's, it's, you know, it's like uh, any of those other ones. What is it? Uh, the ones where you get to attack again. Like Endless Endless Malice, yep. right. Agreed. Okay, so it's one of those. But the thing is that, so I, I think you use this. I, I think that this is a card, especially if you're playing with either flex or aggro. I mean, I guess if you're going like, I don't know why you go full objectives with these ladies, but or full control. 
maybe in that case you don't use it. I, I don't know what the build would be in that case, but if you're playing flex or if you're playing aggro, I think that you throw this card in no matter what. I, I think that these four cards we mentioned in 99% of uh, Blade Come decks are auto-includes, so you're, you have four cards already figured out. Um, but I love how this deals with Camus, which I think is interesting, and we should point this out. Um Zealot's Rage, you can play off of either of the uh either of the of the attacks, and the second one is the one that's less likely to hit, right? Correct. So it is possible to kill Hrothgorn with this card and an inspired Camus. Here's how you do it. You attack with the uh the whip, it lands, you miss, so you deal two, you miss with the buckler, you play Zealot's Rage. And the way that Zealot's Rage says, it says, play this after friendly fighter's attack action that fails. This fighter makes an attack action. It doesn't say the same attack action at targeting the same fighter. It doesn't say anything like that. It says they make an attack action. So you can actually go back and do the whip again. The whip can land, and then the buckler can land. That is six damage right there, and that's not including any buffs. And, and, then, so you, that's and then you buy a lottery ticket. Yeah, that's pretty gnarly. Like, yeah, I I understand that the chances of this happening are very low. <laughs> no, no, but I just I, love that it exists. No, I, I agree. It's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm joking, but uh, no, okay. I think it's uh, first. Yeah, it's just a great card. I think again, it's a one of those best in class accuracy cards, right? Just a repeat attack action that's pretty incredible. Um, and this is a warband with a lot of great attacks. But yeah, the interaction with Camus is great. I think even even if let's say you miss with the barbed whip attack, you can play this and get potentially an extra an extra two attacks as well so there's just a um yeah a, a lot of great synergy with canvas in particular uh, i think but but with the rest of the warband as well so great card yeah cool all right so those are our faction specific gambits we didn't really see anything else that that jumped out at us right not really all right so let's let's move on to the uh to the upgrades uh they kind of suck yeah not great they're not great um, we, we, we picked a few just so that we had something to say here, Jimmy, that you said maybe people will look at perhaps after, uh, after rotation kicks in, which we assume is going to kick in. We actually, no, nobody really knows actually. We just assume it's going to, cause that seems like the pattern. So like 99% everything's going to rotate out. Well, All that's right, what so, we did uh, last, but, that's what they did last time, but they don't know, like, we don't know if they're going to do the exact same. They didn't officially the say way. they were going to. Yeah. And we don't um, know like which I don't uh, I expansions are going to be affected because we had some, uh, you know, ones in the middle of Night Vault that weren't, you know, part of the the expansions or whatever. Yeah. So we'll see if those I, carry on. I mean, I on assume or the was it the Power Unbound one? Yeah. Right, like the, the like the Power Unbound one. That was uh, that was season two, so that one's yeah. probably going to go. We can out. probably the safely pack, assume that there's going to be. We can probably safely assume that there's going to be some sort of rotation in in the. Yeah. For uh, or when, maybe when uh, Direchasm comes out, right? Yeah, okay, so when Direchasm comes out, and we need some upgrades, uh, we had a couple of possibilities. We, uh, you said Crimson Shard was okay, yeah. So, and yeah, agreed. I think in general, if there are a bunch of great universal upgrades, as you know, we've said they're probably going to take these slots, but um, if there aren't as many choices, I think some of these can be playable for sure. Crimson Shard, it's um, essentially awakened weapon just from Morkwith, um, where she can reroll an attack dice. I think that that's obviously great. Awakened weapon was a restricted card. It is just restricted to Morkwith, so she dies and it's a dead card in your deck. 
Um, but since you're going to be Dexterity. probably doing uh, a lot of damage with her, or, or at least want the ability to be able to do damage with her, uh, I think it's good. Again, with her range two, unlike a range one fighter, the possibility for making more than one attack each round is is significantly higher. So I think uh, having a reroll with her is great. So that's one card that um, uh, could be taken if there weren't as many great universals around. Okay, so we like that one. Um, you also liked Invigorated Attack. That's a plus one dice to this fighter's attack actions while the fighter is holding an objective. Yeah, again, going yeah, back to the... Kyrie getting an objective. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, exactly. And she's probably going to be the one that uh, you could be using this with or, um, uh, or more with. Uh, going back to the idea that with them, you can play them flex into objectives, given the fact that they can be positioned on objectives and attack due to their range. And there's good synergy with cards like Absolute Stillness, uh, Hidden Purpose, things like that. Uh, yeah, I think um, you'll have fighters on objectives most likely and fighters with a range that could make attack action. So I think it's going to work for them. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we also had one last idea, which was uh, Victor of a Thousand Duels, which says quite a bit. So bear with me for a second. This is a an upgrade it has a reaction during a range one attack action that targets this fighter and fails before the drive back step roll one attack dice if you roll a crit or a hammer the fighter cannot be driven back and can make an attack action it must target the attacker yeah i think this card so is um, 50 50 it, shot if somebody attacks them sorry now go ahead yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, didn't, exactly. I didn't know you were going to talk, man. I'm sorry. It's all good. It's all good. Thanks. But uh, um, yeah, I think it's just now I gotta be like, now I gotta, I'm setting a precedent here. It's just incredible. I know. And I'm going to receive thank you letters from all your future guests in advance. But um, I think uh, uh, with this card, it's like a, a aggressive defense, albeit much more limited. Again, not a card you may use in an optimized deck later in season, but um, could be interesting, especially uh, if you're. Um, if you're building maybe just around Morgwith and kind of Voltroning her, uh, where she's going to get attacked a lot, this could be a nice deterrent to attacking her. So, um, yeah, could be okay. Voltron. I know Voltron. There, there you go. go. Yeah, exactly. There we go. That was my Halloween costume when I was five. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Your parents so dressed you well. My dad did. Yeah, he was, he, he's, he's the guy who does stuff like that. All right. Uh, so there we go. All right. So, uh, you know, you might want to take give a look at those a little bit later on. All right. So uh, card awards time. Let's do this one. All right. So whenever we do uh, the expansion, we do the card awards. Uh, the first card award we have is the hunting aspect award. This is a dangle bro specific shitty card. Uh, and uh, we decided to give it to rapturous defense, which is a plus one defense for Chrysler or Lethier. Why would we care about that? Well, is that important to keep them I alive? Mean, apparently, Carissa is very important to you, so. I guess so. Well, well Chris I is, mean, like, but actually, I like it when she dies, because then I can take her uh, figure off the board and kind of, like, hold it in my hand. And I'll, I'll say this. Max says a lot of stuff about how Gigantha is his his baby or whatever, but he did some pretty irresponsible shit with her. Yeah, his bay. Yeah, yeah, but you you kind of throw her oh, in yeah. there and don't really care if she dies. You did not treat her yeah, right. Look, right. Yeah. Well, let me let me tell you something. 
I can if I can get take put those two together, like I'm getting a little greedy here, but I'm just saying, like just replace Mega Fear too, with too Gigantha. Too much. Well, crossing lines here a little bit, but yeah, it's okay. Sorry. Crossing lines. I don't know. I'm just saying. Gigantha is just you. looking at these ladies like I'll forgive you. Super jealous. All right. So anyway, but Rapture's Defense uh, gets the uh, hunting aspect award. Uh, the Aggressive Defense Award, which is the one given to the uh, the most confusing one, and we said we said Headlong Fury is actually the most confusing, but not because it's confusing, but just because people glorious triumph that all the time. Yeah, and I think there are other cars that have models that'll make move actions but give them move tokens, for example. Uh, I think also the fact that the fighter has to be inspired, I'm sure people will make that mistake as well. People forget that. that. Yeah, it's really not not that the card is confusing. You just have to read through the card. It's very clearly written on the card. Um, But I think there will be folks that will just uh, misplay. Because again, there are um, other cards that may do similar things, just uh, that, to be honest, aren't quite as good. I mean, making a move action and not giving a move token is outstanding, so. Um, stuff like it. All right. Sounds good. Uh, and now it's time for everybody's favorite, the uh, the car, uh, the uh, unintentionally sexual card name award, which, by the way, GW was not even trying to avoid this on this one because the, the award clearly goes to Drill to Perfection. Nice. What were they thinking? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> It's not a great card. Choose one friendly fighter and up to one adjacent friendly fighter and they both get guard tokens. It's not like terrible, but like it's not great. Like you're not going to include it. But I mean the name, like do they know me? Jesus. All right. Um, and we also have another one. Um, we, we have a special one uh, just for this episode. The card that sounds like a feminine product is going to be given to Crimson Rejuvenation. Oh my God. Which is, uh, it's a little on the nose. Not like, that's not where you put it. Like, I mean, like the, the name is a little on the nose with the card word. I, I don't actually know how you use feminine hygiene products. So maybe you do put it on the nose. I, I really have no idea. Oh, like for a nosebleed? Yep. <laughs> What's that? You know, actually tampons are very good for that. They do that. Yeah, nosebleed. You put tampon up your nose. They're great. It's exactly, you know, it's like you have to, you might have to cut and make them a little bit smaller. It's whatever, great. But I'm just saying, are we talking about tampons on the show? Never uh, done. We don't have to. I'll stop. Please. Okay. Please. Uh, we're going to move you. on. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, we, we've been at this for a little while. We're getting loopy. Okay. Um, we're going to go to the, uh, the Grawl Award. The Grawl Award is uh, the single best thing about the expansion. Uh, and it can be, of course, anything. It can be a model you like. It can be a card you like. It can be the fact that it opens up a certain possibility. It can be something that has nothing to do with the game at all. Um, Jimmy, Grawl Award, what's your favorite thing about this expansion? Yeah, so um, just to pull it back in to be a little game focused for another couple of seconds before we devolve into debauchery. Um, I think, uh, I do think it's a lot of fun that they created a warband with the variety of attack characteristics that this warband has. So, you know, the range four attack with Kyrie, range two with Morgwith, the combo attack with Camus, that's a lot of fun. I think that just, that is very different from other warbands. So I think that um, allows a lot of other options when playing them. And it's just, uh, to me, Pretty cool and adds a lot of possibilities strategically. So uh, good on GW for that. Thank you. 
All right. Uh, cool. Yeah, Randall, what's your favorite thing about this one? My favorite thing about this warband is probably the just the fighter Kyrae in general. Uh, first of all, it's just a really cool-looking model um, for sort it's of like a, really a new... really gorgeous model. Right, and it's sort of the one of the new things that they've created for the Daughters of Cain when they transitioned to Age of Sigmar. They used to, the, the Witch Elves used to just be a part of the Dark Elves faction, but now they're like their own faction, and they fleshed them out with the, these like harpy-looking ladies and the snake ladies and stuff like that, so it, it's pretty cool. And I like what she... She sort of brings a new, I don't know, kind of aspect to the game of being just this kind of ultimate turret fighter that can just stand there and shoot almost the whole board, you know, with ensnare. So it's going to be kind of, I, I feel like I'm excited to see if this is going to be, you know, sort of like an equalizer to a lot of the popular strategies right now. All right. Cool. Um, so, so my favorite thing, I, I was going to say painting boobs because I do like that, but actually I, I'm, I'm going to make this, I'm going to, I'm going to go much more feminist on this. I think I'm going to, I'm going to back it up. I actually want to say that I think that this really validates all the trailblazing in this game that Angerad Brightshield did back in season one. She was the first female um, model in the game and look at us now we're season three we have an entire war band of wonderful female fighters and they're good and i think that i think that this real really validates everything that that anger at bright shield went through mm. <laughs> she fought she was brave fought her way she broke the through the glory ceiling yeah the glory ceiling <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Could you again remind people what the, what, what the first thing you were going to say was? <laughs> Just, could you again remind I'm, people? Yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. Just I was going to but I get you know, it's like okay. I don't know. It was low hanging fruit. I, I, I... <laughs> all right. I'm just saying. <laughs> all right, moving on. Moving on. We go to the uh, we go to the didn't didn't even want it award. This is the single worst thing about the expansion. That we that we don't like, we wish it didn't happen. Go ahead, Jimmy. What do you got? Hidden purpose. That just not a necessary card, um, but um, but it exists. So and here we are. There we go. All right. So uh, hidden purpose. Crap, Randall. Uh, I kind of I was like hoping that this warband was going to be like the poison warband, like that that all of their that they were going to have some like theming and objective around the poison mechanic, but then the whole poison mechanic ended up being kind of, kind of terrible after, after a while. Yeah. I thought these guys were going to have like the good poisons as their faction cards. And they were going to have like objectives where you, you get like a bunch of glory. If you kill a guy while he has a poison card on him or something like that. And it just didn't end up being that way. So I'm, I'm kind of just, I mean, I, I like how the, the faction looks and plays overall, but uh, I was kind of, hoping that they were going to be the poison faction. Yeah, that's cool. Do, do, are, is that like in the lore? And I'm asking this for myself. Do they use poisons? Is that like a thing they do? Um, Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, for me, well, I mean, they're uh, just I, like, you know, they're little scantily clad women. They're not very strong and they use all kind. They use magic and, and they use magic <laughs> and finesse to kill people. They have assassins. They assassinate people. 
Gotcha. I'm sure they use I, poison. And I understand how ironic it was that I said that, Jimmy. Don't worry about it. Because <laughs> okay, um, especially after You're calling me sexist after you said I know. That the favorite no, part of second. the warband was on. painting the boobs. Yeah. Oh no no I oh please it's gonna get worse. Um, <laughs> I I'm not into ladies in masks, so um, I don't like camis with the mask thing on. Like for COVID stuff, like definitely wear a mask. But for like naked lady stuff i'm not into masks so i'm gonna change her head which is weird um another thing that i'm really disappointed about with this warband is that they don't all have stripper names i feel like chrissa <laughs> i feel like chrissa has one and like that's i'll buy that one but the other ones like it's just they missed it i feel like you know morgwraith could have been something like fantasia and you know, Kyrie, I mean, oh man, we could have said a tons of Candy. stuff on that. Oh, we no, okay. you know, we could have given her like we could have given her like uh like the um like the kill bill names, like like Copperhead or something like mm-hmm. that. That would have been amazing. Chastity. And then uh Chastity, sure. Uh, I'll take that. Or or we could have called her called her uh, Beatrix, you know, like the bride. Um a- anyway, so uh yeah, I just feel like they should have all had stripper names, and we only got one, and I'm a little disappointed. All right, uh, now on to something. Serious. I'm the sexist one, by the way. Right. No, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm not I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you in this case. <laughs> like, yes, you are definitely. Sometimes the things I say are sexist, especially when the models aren't wearing clothes. Okay, so let's move on. We have a couple of deck builds over here. Um, and and, and uh, Jimmy, you and I both want to thank Tommy Conboy because we basically took his and then changed a couple of things to the way we wanted to play. But like, it's really just his. Anyway. Yeah. I I remember um, the Warband just came out and um, uh, Tom and I were playing a a game online and uh, he pulled out Blade Coven, giving him too hard of a look. I just take a look at some of the cards and that's about it. And I was playing my gets, which I I feel my amberbone gets, you know, they're, they're they're pretty good right now yeah, in the meta. Yeah. I think um, uh, so I, basically I wasn't playing uh, you know, I wasn't playing a bad warband, uh, and and yeah, we had some very very tight sets. I think we were um, I think between four games, I think we're you know, we're two and two, and I was I was very impressed. And I think uh, uh, he had a couple different builds he was trying. I think he had one deck which was more of like a perfect match deck and. Um, one deck that was um, uh, with a little lower glory ceiling, but but in in general, the decks here, yeah, to your point, Max, are are very similar to that. And also give credit to Tom Bond because he's also taken the hard look at um, at uh, Blade Coven. I played against him, and uh, he's had some you know contributions here as well. So thanks both guys. Yeah. All right. So so tell us, um, like, so how how are you playing the deck when you were playing it? Yeah, so I think I don't I don't lean too far into the hold objective style. I think the as, as far as what I need to do being on the objectives, I have absolute stillness, hidden purpose, um, bold conquest, and I think uh, I think those are pretty those are pretty key cards and pretty easy to score for them. Uh, and obviously, I combine that with a cryptic companion. Um, which is in a lot of these decks now, uh, especially because of the abs- uh, because of absolute stillness. Um, I don't go so far into holding three. I know some folks will take temporary victory with them too. Um, to me, I just don't. 
it's it's too often the case that you're you're down a model or two and once you're down to three models it it really is limiting even with the range of this warband to be on three objectives and also do what you want to do uh so i think uh um getting to three is, is a little tough curious your thoughts on the way you played it because i know you leaned more into the whole objective style yeah i did um oh did you did you go through everything you feel like you got it i'll i'll, I'll talk about mine um for just just for the objectives sorry while well, you were talking about it, i was trying to find yours because i put in the wrong link so i just spent that entire time like kind of ignoring it sorry uh so so <laughs> sir, you just went over the objectives so far yeah no no i just um you went over uh, the whole thing Oh, I I go over the whole thing. It was one of the gist of it. So the, the gist of it is that again, I I do like being on objectives uh, to an extent. Again, hidden purpose, ball conquest, absolute stillness. But then I um, I have a lot of aggro cards like perfect kills with sacrifice, yeah. gather momentum. Uh, I do have show force. I typically pound some you know, upgrades onto Morgwith, and right. then I have um That's how I get it. Yep, and then you know cards again, common cards that we see in a lot of these decks now, thanks to some of the um folks have piled them early on like jealous defense mischievous spirits um uh and upgrade wise i think dual of speed is great for them because again the range two range four attacks it's it's you you can add to your flexibility and make multiple attacks per phase with dual of speed i have fighters ferocity i think it's it's so good on um on kyrie especially yeah. because yeah. objective warbands are so popular and frankly it can be good on any of them because you're going to be rolling, you know, three dice for lots of them, especially some of the um, uh, once you put strength of terror on on one of them. So, uh, quickening grief is great for cryptic. Uh, Tome of offerings I also put on Morgwith. Um, and the last uh, restricted card is survival instincts. That slot is a durability slot. It could either be sudden growth or survival instincts. Sudden growth could could certainly work, but I want to make sure I have at least three. Uh, quarry cards, cryptics, one of them, strength of terror is the other. Um, in order to score absolute stills, you gotta have three or four. Um, I'd rather have an upgrade like survival instincts that you know makes them a little durable, as opposed to having um, uh, having let's say sudden growth and adding another quarry card that's not quite as useful, for example. And as a result, I wouldn't be able to put in like Amberborn Sword or Amberborn Mace and that kind of stuff. So, uh, but that slot for survival instincts, that R slot for durability for Morgwith could certainly be a sudden growth. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I feel as though I was playing, like when I played in the cam games, I was playing, first of all, I was playing 11 gambits and 11 upgrades because I had two draw engines in there um, because I figured just like getting those cards in my hand might be helpful. Um, but actually, I don't know if I needed it. Um, so there's a few things that I had in here that I threw. I, I had, so, so my, uh, in the cam game, I had branching fate fired up. I, I had solid gains, switch it to great gains. Cause I figure if go big or go home, uh, what armor perfect kill. Then I had ritualized formation, absolute stillness ahead of the hunt, gather momentum, hidden purpose path to victory was one that I had and show of force. So what I was doing is I was trying to just like kind of send in Morgwaith load her up make her into like john wick and just go in there and just slice and dice and then have you know like uh kyrie Krissa, and lethe are standing on stuff hopefully get camus in there she could either run in and start some something or go stand on something um so uh so that's what i was kind of doing uh gambits i had two steps forward catechism of murder fanatical faith headlong fury zealots rage because you have to buried instinct glorious triumph which i didn't know how to use 
Uh, quick Search, Unnatural Truce, uh, Jailless Defense, and Mischievous Spirits. Because if you draw Mischievous Spirits against Thorns, you play it at the very end of the second round so they can't score dug in. That's how you do that. Just saying. Uh, upgrades. Yeah. Upgrades, Glory Seeker, Sudden Growth. I had Sudden Growth, but actually I, I later switched it out for uh, for uh, uh, Survival Instincts for the same reason you, you used it. I had Tome of Glories, which was okay because, again, I was st standing some some uh, some of the ladies onto objectives. And uh, maybe there, you know, a good attack didn't present itself. Um, so I had Tome of Glories there, Tome of Offering, Spectral Armor, uh, Amberbone Mace, Amberbone uh, Sword. It was better. Uh, Cryptic Companion, Great Strength. Uh, I took out, I'm uh, sorry, I had Sting of the Urgrub, took it out and put in Amberbone Sword. So I had the Mace and the Sword. Uh, Hidden Presence was my other quarry card for a while, just because I didn't have a better one at the time. I ran out of restricted slots, putting in Sudden Growth and strength of terror but um i later changed a couple things around uh like i said i, I added duelist speeds and fighters ferocity uh and uh i put in survival instincts instead of uh sudden growth uh but yeah. the objectives and the gambits are basically the same yeah again i think um duel of speed quickening greaves headlong fury the faction gambit and a uh, mischievous spirits in addition, and also sidestep. I'm sure you have sidestep. Um, I do as well. So. I actually don't. Oh wow! Um, but yeah, all, always, yeah, always to get a model onto an objective without a move or a charge token. Yeah. So um, yeah, again, that really helps for absolute stillness. So if you're going to have absolute stillness, again, make sure you have some cards in there uh, to position models onto objectives, uh, and um, and and without having to have a move or a charge token. Yeah, I think that if I toss Ritualized Formation and put in, like, what's the one where, like, if you, we just did it, where if you have, like, a damage and you're still alive at the end of the round, you you get it. I'd probably switch it for that and then uh, take out, uh, maybe take out Glorious Triumph because I don't need it now. And then I would have space for a sidestep, which would actually probably work better. Yeah, yeah, and, and again, you keep harping on it, but um, with the, with the range on the attacks, sidestep just... Can really, really increases the number of models you could potentially attack, just because again the 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 range of ways you can attack just enhances the um, enhances the reach. So it just um, sidestep is even better on these models with higher range. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, definitely. Um, all right. So uh, we'll we'll put these uh, we'll put these up uh, in the show notes so you guys can see it. And maybe uh, you know play around with it. But it's a it's a good. Uh, it's a good skeleton for you if you want to get started on that. All right. Um, last thing to talk about is matchups. Uh, so if you're playing Blade Coven, what do you want to see across the board for you, Jimmy? Yeah, I think um, – and again, this is um, from playing against them and also playing with them. Uh, I think they do well into Horde Warbands. I think a quick caveat there, Thorns are just incredibly good. They're really so I don't, good. I don't think anyone could say that they have a great matchup in the Thorns, but of, yeah, I don't think anyone really does. But I do think they can play into Thorns and do fine. Um, but um, any other war bands that um, uh, that are horde war bands, such as Grimwalk, Sepulchral Guard, um, gets I think Blade Covenant can have a lot of success. So uh, I also think that um, they are um, they can 
do well into aggro warbands as well because they can fight, but they have some more secure glory sources than a lot of aggro warbands. So I think they sure. can um, they can do that as well. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think the the only the only games where I really thought I was uh, like scoring a lot and still losing was against was against Thorns. Um, but everything else, I felt like I was I was I was getting some glory on those. I mean, especially when I played Gits, it was really easy. Just if you can get Tome of Offerings on on Morgwaith and just send her in, and she'll just like blah, 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 everybody. She just racks it up. I mean, against a Horde Warband, come on um yeah so uh okay so who do you not want to see across the table because i i have one i know that i really hated yeah and i think any tanky elite warbands are tough uh, i think worms bat is really tough Ugh, yeah think, that's what uh, i was gonna say worms yeah. bat was tough because like my math was all screwed up and uh perfect kill became really tough yep 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 uh curse breakers is is probably tough although i haven't played that matchup i haven't either I think, um, I mean, honestly, Rippers are probably a little tough too. Again, just because it's it can be hard to, it can be hard to kill them fast enough and get your fighters inspired and dangerous enough to hurt them before they hurt you. Uh, and yeah. since they're four move as well, um, you can't really control distance as much, and they can probably get to you turn one if they want to. Uh, so yeah, any of the um, any of the elite war bands, I think, would probably give them some issues. Yeah, I, I had a I had a problem against a Nurgle Warband. Um, just again, it, it's really hard to like figure out how much uh, how much to attack them, and like they can always just accidentally, you know, roll a roll a shield. And another thing is they tend to have a lot of ping damage, so I I, I would lose uh, fighters to you know collapse encroaching shadow or yep. ward or something like that, and that's really bad for them. Agreed. Um, agreed. And the tough yeah. thing is while they while Blade Coven do have some good source to cleave uh, doesn't stop the shield ability for nerve right. to reduce the exactly. damage. So. Exactly. And the crushes are just like, they're all five wounds. So it's like, now you got to get, you, you definitely have to hit them twice. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Yep. At least. Um, all right. So, uh, so that is, I, I would say that's the expansion. I would say that's the war band for, as it stands right now. You know, a few months out from uh, from season four, uh, there's a couple other chances to do it with all the season two and three cards. Uh, so get in there and, and see what you can get going. Uh, play some Vassal, play some uh, TTS. You know, play the Cam games. Let's get going. Um, anything anybody wants to add before we move on to Keys for Salvation? Nope. No, no, pretty good. All right, let's do it. So Keys to Salvation, uh, Jimmy Molini. If anybody's going to talk about this anybody's going to talk about this it's going to be you what is your key to salvation yeah no thanks max and um I, one of the things i want to talk about is building off meta decks for off meta warbands i think that's one of the exciting things that i enjoy in the game is trying to find warbands that aren't as represented and building um building decks that enable them to be competitive and I think there are a lot of ways to do that. I think, first of all, and this is something that I know Michael Carlin has said in the past on um, one of the many podcasts he's been on, but I completely agree with him. Probably. Yeah. Exactly. It may have been on yours, actually. But uh, I, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, uh, I, and I agree with him completely. As the season progresses and as more universals are available to warbands, one of the downsides, some of the, um, uh, 
some of the war bands that aren't as prevalent in the meta, which often have poor faction cards, that once there's a greater universal pool, there are more options available to them. Uh, so war bands that are always popular typically have pretty good faction cards, and war bands that are not have maybe some faction cards that are good, but really synergize with just a, a certain pool of cards, or maybe they don't have many cards that are good, uh, so they really rely on that universal pool. So as the season progresses, I think the possibility of doing well with a warband that's not as prevalent increases. So just keep that in mind as you're building decks. So it's probably not a great thing to try at the release of a new season when there's you know new cards that have um, not as many new cards that are out and the old season has been cycled. But as the season progresses, I think there are more options. Uh, I would also and, say- and take it from a guy who literally did just that. Like, that's what you did. You took Reavers at the end of the Nightfall season. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, no, yeah. I think that's um, uh, that's actually a pretty good example uh, of, of what I'm describing here. I think you – I see, first of all, it's what you wait until near the end of the season. I think you also then um, look at the universal pool of cards and try to identify what the universal pool of cards is best at. Um, I'll, I'll use my gets as an example. So. Um, Gits, I think, are a tough warband to pilot. They, there are a ton of models. Uh, Scurry can, you know, can be a little confusing sometimes. It takes a little positioning. Your models is really important. So there's kind of a lot in, in when it comes to Gits, and it's easy to make mistakes with them, and they give up a ton of glory. Right. So I think if, um, if if games go south, I mean, you're giving up a lot of glory to your opponent, and it, it can be really tough. So they're not as prevalent in most or have not been as prevalent in most metas but i think they can do two things well i think they can um uh, do objective play obviously with the movement with scurry and things like that i think also they can be aggressive because their base stats are very good and with attack uh the attacks of the squigs attacks of drizget attack of zarbag so looking at the universal cards this year I think one of the things that I saw was that there are great search objectives for holding objectives like temporary victory, and now unfortunately hidden purpose, which is just overkill. Yeah. Um, but then on top of that, uh, you had aggressive cards like the weapons cards, like the amber bone cards, which um, I think were a perfect synergy for them because a lot of the base stats for them, especially for the actual gabos, aren't great attack wise. They just have to hold the bows, but you put a weapon on them. They're already moved four. They're two dodge. They can be a threat. They can get just about anywhere and attack anybody. So I think that that was a good combination where you can find a warband that could do the objective scoring, uh, but could also be aggressive with these new weapons, which were very good and add to the glory of, of that I was already scoring by killing models. Yeah, and there was there was another aspect of that is that because you have seven models that can hold an amber bone weapon. You know, like if one guy dies, there, there, there's like a next man up kind of thing going on where you always have like another get lying around somewhere. So right. um, so it makes that makes that possible. When you play, you play with four, right? Uh, I have played with four in the past. My current deck has three. Um, okay. So, um, but well, don't give yeah. it away. You're playing in the Basil Clash. Don't, don't, don't I mean, give it away. Anyone who uh, I would play yeah, in the Clash know. would yeah. probably have already played me before, so I, I'm not. Right. You know, there are no secrets here, but uh, I think. Um, but also, and last thing I would say is, so first of all, wait till the end of the season to look at what universals are good and how that could, um, and how to take advantage of that. And three, look at what the meta is doing and ways that 
an off meta warband could counter that. So this is where the Reavers example is a little, um, is a little more relevant. So with the Night Vault meta at the end of Night Vault, um, I think it was a surge aggressive score immediately meta where things like Thunder's Profiteers were very aggro, but had like, yeah. you know, eight surges and they were scoring them rapid fire with all these different yeah. and, and being very aggressive. I think Molog was the same way. Um, so, and everything, everything, yeah, any, everything kind of snowballed with the aggressive surge play. Uh, so for me playing Reavers, I, with cards like Pure Carnage, which synergized with Corn Cares Not, one, I didn't care when I lost models and, and, and models died. I scored off that. And two, because of their range, I was able to keep my guys back and was play a bit of a denial game where they had to come to me in order to score their glory. They scored their glory while killing my guys. I killed them back and I scored when both people died, right? So it was a, a bit of a counter to that very aggressive surge score immediately play. And that's something that really only Reavers could do because of their faction cards and Corn Cares Not and it begins and all that. So um, I think, you know, look at that. And um, I think you pay attention to those three things. I think there are a lot of possibilities. Last thing is just a, a bit of a note. I think that the off-meta warbands have most success after a far, because I think the most powerful warbands are typically the ones that are abusing stuff before a far exists. So I'll just wait till after far typically as well. But after a far, the, 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 the level of play is a little more balanced. And I think, uh, again, uh, this, the opportunity to do well at these war bands really exists. Yeah. We, we made that point in a, in an earlier episode about how just like the, the, the perfect time to do something crazy is right after a far. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I think you agree. I, I, I think that's interesting what you said. <clears throat> One thing that I kind of noticed about what you said was that you were kind of building your warband and your deck like kind of backwards where instead of looking at like what warband you want to play first and what can I do with them, which is what I think a lot of people do, you know, uh, you know, some, some people are like, well, I love, you know, I don't know, Zach Newcomb dwarves. So I'm going to start there and then I'm going to put the right cards in there. But, but you're saying go backwards. You're saying like, look at the card pool, look at what goes on there and then find the war band that can take most advantage of that, which is just, I think an interesting way. It's like inductive versus deductive re 